Finding the breath going all the way to the tips of the toes. Sense them spacing out as if you can feel the air between the big toe and the second toe. And you can find space between your feet and your shoes. Feel yourself at home in your own skin with childlike wonderment as we move through this fun little training about yoga. And feel yourself breathing belly, lungs, and ribs. And ribs, lungs, and belly as you exhale. Inhaling belly, lungs, and ribs. Exhaling ribs, lungs, and belly. Once again, allowing the softness and the sweetness of the breath to calm the rhythm of the heart. Feel the space between the heartbeats has begun to elongate as you've anchored into awareness and you've settled in from your morning and you've dropped into this present moment. Begin to calmly take your hands and allow them to come in front of your chest. As your palms come together, feel the tips of the fingers and the base of the hand connecting. Notice the ease in your neck. And begin to take your palms together and rub them as fast and as fast and as fast and as fast and as fast as you can, creating warmth and heat and friction. <coughs> and then take the warmth of the hands over your closed eyes. And begin to subtly release your palms forward as you open your eyes, seeing this morning with a whole new perspective. Taking the palms again onto the legs, inhale, lift your heart, belly reaches forward, chin a little bit elevated. And then exhale, hollow the belly, chin to your collarbones. Inhale, lift your heart. Exhale, hollow out the belly. Inhale, lift and open. This is called cat-cow. Exhale, hollow out the belly like a Halloween cat. Inhale, lift and open. A cow says what? <laughs> and exhale, hollow out your belly. Inhaling to a neutral space, begin to wave your left hand and take your left hand to the outside of your right leg. Reach your right hand open like you're opening up the gates or the doors to your body and you can grab onto the back of the chair or you can keep reaching your arms back. And then inhale, lift your chest up 
and exhale, twisting to the right, telescoping your spine. Keep the connection of your buns to the chair. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, twist. You're rinsing out anything that's congesting you at this moment. And then inhale, come on back to center. We'll find another cat-cow. Hollow out the belly, chin to the collarbones. Inhale, lift your heart. Awesome. On your next exhale, take the right hand outside of the left leg and the left hand reaches back, opening up the gates of your body. Feel your blood pressure lower. Your focus is a little bit more internal. And rinse out anything that's kind of stuck in your internal organs as you massage your systems with this twist. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, twist a little bit more. And then inhale, come on back to center. Exhale, hollow out your belly. Inhale, lift and open. And exhale, coming into a neutral space. We'll do one more thing. On your next inhale, reach your left arm up. And as you exhale, press your right hand into the chair and bring the elbow towards your body as you reach up and over. So you're just showering your body with space and freedom and ease. I like how you moved your fingers too. And you're allowing your buns to keep rooting down into the chair. You're working your inner costal muscles so you can take a deeper breath. Do you all feel that? Inhale, lengthen and stretch and reach. And exhale using your abdominal walls, come on back up. Let's find the other side. Left hand to the chair, right arm nice and high. Stretch and reach up and over. So as I mentioned, I really believe that breath and mindfulness practices are gonna change the world. And we're creating space in our heart. And we're really working towards the next big health revolution in our culture. So you're creating freedom and health and balance. Come on back and bring the arm down. One more cat-cow. Inhale, lift your heart. Exhale, hollow your belly. Inhale, neutral space. I lied, you want to do one more pose? It's very flash dancy, but this is great to help calm the parasympathetic nervous system. Separate your feet, frontal hip bone distance or wider, your toes slightly point out, and then just gently skim your hands forward down the legs until your fingertips come down to the ground and your head hangs. So you're literally in this really nice forward fold. You can see if there's any weird stuff under the chairs. <laughs> But what it does is it calms the parasympathetic nervous system, so you're literally telling your body to relax. You're literally sending serotonin through your system, which is the happy hormone. It's like eating a chocolate bar without the weight gain. <laughs> so allow your thoughts to pour out of your body so you can open up to that childlike wonderment, that reckless abandonment, and that really, really kind of um, inspiring inhale and exhale will guide you back up. Unfurl your body like you're a fruit roll up and you're just rolling up slowly, feeling the sweetness of the breath guiding you back to center. On your exhale, bring your feet back together. 
And then take and bring your hands in front of your chest. Interlace the fingers, palms press down, letting all the air out. Inhale, sweep the arms up. And stretch to the right. Stretch to the left. Come back to center. And almost like a little rainfall, open your arms up wide and allow the fingertips to roll down the sides of the room until your hands come back in your lap. And you're a little bit more grounded, and you're a little bit more present, and you're a little bit more yawny, <laughs> and we're ready to practice. Awesome. I feel like when I was in high school, um, I got my a bartending license. Did you know you could do that in high school? So I went to the Minnesota School of Bartending, I got my bartending license, and I feel like ever since then, I've spent my entire life being a bartender. So instead of pouring drinks like I did in college, I actually teach people how to do an oxygen cocktail. So how many of you like took a yawn after that? Yeah, right? There's such an amazing thing that happens um, when we breathe and um, the timeless principles of yoga were taught in a book called the Yoga Sutras. Has anybody ever heard of the Yoga Sutras? It's kind of like the golden rules for yogis and it's a really ancient text, about 2,500 um, years old, and it teaches how to calm the monkey mind, which is, we all get it, especially in our culture, since we all have um, been uh, forced to have ADD because we have seven screens that we see all day long. We have so much that we need to do. Um, and the sutras teach us to calm the monkey mind and allow ours, us to really be present. And the person who wrote the um, sutras, their name was Patanjali, and the word actually means falling from heaven. So it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of interesting, like knowledge falling in from heaven that teaches you golden rules of how to be good to other people. But I always say that Patanjali was the first therapist because Patanjali helped people get their sh shit together. <laughs> Sorry. But it, we have this mind, and we don't often have the um, ability to calm it down. And what we want to really teach kids and adults is that we are not our thoughts. And if we ground down and relax, how many of you, when you listen to the space between your heartbeat and what we just did, how many of you noticed that all of a sudden you kind of like, everything faded away, and the kind of chirp, chirp, chirp of the little bird inside your head kind of went away? Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to think anymore when you practice yoga, but you realize you're not your thoughts, and the space between that ruminating stuff that happens when you get anxious and depressed can kind of go away because you're literally, it's very Pavlovian to me, through the habitual practice of yoga, you're teaching yourself how to ground down, and you're teaching yourself proactive ways to create ease in your life and harmony all from these old texts that now scientists are proving that it really works. Um, uh, another thing that's really interesting is that um, when we get really scattered, we feel scattered, and our bodies are doing different things in our minds. And the practice, really, what yoga means itself is like yuj or yoking, so it means to unify. So what I'm going to teach you here today is just different principles and interesting things about how to unify um, and shift smoothly into the inner state of equilibrium and peace. I like big words, so I'm going to try and use big words and impress you. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so the first thing that I'm going to teach you is shtira sukha asanam, which means steady and easeful state. So shtira, I always teach uh, my, my, my niece and nephews about thunder and lightning. This thunder and this lightning, and when they come together, bang! Like a storm, okay? No one else does that, so it's me. <laughs> but the idea of finding that balance between your strength and your sweetness. So have you ever seen those old scales that it's like the legal symbol? That's pretty much what we're doing. We're finding balance in our neurological pathways so that like one is not more prevalent than the other, which in turn, this balance or this scale thing is we're calming our brain. We're calming the left and right hemispheres to create symmetry. So we're balancing out our strengths and our sweetness. Um, so you're all teachers or educators or therapists, school counselors, and you have a child who is maybe off in airy fairyland, and you want to figure out how to get them to ground down and be more stable. Or you have a child who's going down OCD, anxiety, kind of those ruminating thoughts, and you want to figure out how to get them to find stability. Do you know you can do that through breath? Cool. Do you already use these tools? Maybe, some of you? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how this effortless effort of not clinging, um, but just observing your thoughts, um, we allow ourselves to feel this steadiness and this easeful state of being. And when we're able to use the skills, we can get rid of pain and suffering. We can find harmony and balance. And then in turn, you get healthy and happy as you are anchored in your truth. Right, So that you don't feel like you're stuck in what everybody else is doing. How come I'm not on that picture in Facebook? How come um, I'm not doing well in school, but my parents did really well? How come I'm getting all this pressure? But you find a way to really ground into your truth and really accept where you're at at this moment because you're kind of stable and confident. Uh, in um, 2001, this program was created. And basically, I was teaching kids how to find mindfulness. And um, Super Stretch teaches kids what's their superpower so that they can be really calm. And it teaches them to take a breath, calm their mind, and build energy. So I had all these really awesome flashcards and these coloring sheets. So we have um, the mission of Super Stretch, which is the first coloring sheet of the handouts. And then the cast of characters of Super Stretch. And they all live at 247 Mindful Pathway. They're very happy. And all these characters are on the flashcards. And each character teaches you a breath practice or a yoga pose. And so it's very simple. To, the kids can use these at little timeout stations where it's a picture in front and a, um, a, a, a cartoon in front and a picture in the back. So in about um, 2012, I did a SHIP grant for the Brooklyn Center School District. So if you ever want to, on um, uh, Super Stretch's website, which I gave you all links to that, uh, there uh, is a YouTube channel. And all of those videos are on the YouTube channel. And what happened is all the teachers were like, this is great. They were using it for test prep to calm the kids down. And uh, chair yoga, regular you know, yoga movements, and different breathing practices. But what the teacher said, it was too hard. We didn't have the bandwidth to be able to actually like, teach this. If I could plug something into the smart board, I'd be super happy. And then I wouldn't have to do anything. And I could actually participate and calm myself down. 
right? So then in turn, what happened is I created an app. So hopefully you have the app. There's a, um, a the cartoon uh, hand little uh, coloring thing. It says that it's an app on iTunes, and you can get that. But people who use the apps are institutions, schools, school district, health programs, parents and, um, trust it. So the kids are using it. And I know Nicole's been using it with her students, and they feel like a, a relationship was super stretched. They feel like it's not a teacher that's teaching. And um, the app has um, been really successful, and it helps to share the mission of the mindfulness that kids can take a breath calm their mind and build energy. And then they can be a better person and find balance. So it's pretty awesome if you don't use the app, it's great. By trade, I'm a product designer and I'm a yogi by lifestyle. And I believe that our human body is an amazing machine. We're just a bunch of tubes and water. That's when everybody drinks water, right? Um, but basically, um, we have over 200 billion neurons and trillions of synaptic cells and there's this famous person called Thomas Edison. Do you all know who that is? Yeah, Thomas Edison has this awesome quote that the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest the patient in the care of the human frame and diet in the cause of prevention and disease. It's pretty awesome. It's really happening right now. If you see all of the articles that are coming out and all of the different things, um, Sometimes it's so easy in our culture to just give a pill to heal something, but it's kind of a mask. It's a placebo, and, and I think really what's happening is people want the vitamin. They want to work a little bit harder than the aspirin. They really realize that if they have a healthy lifestyle and they practice breath and movement, that they're going to be better humans and that they're going to live longer and that they're going to be more stable and more grounded and then not have to go to the doctor, which would be nice. Uh, the benefits from yoga and breathing practices are pretty immeasurable. Uh, good attitudes. So it, and it is all about um, low blood pressure. You're enhancing focus. Um, the positive psychology. I know it's really sunny out, but do you know when it's gloomy out and you get really like bleh? Yeah. Well, the breathing practices help you to have a sunny disposition. Are you ready to try a balloon breath? Okay. So a balloon breath helps you to have a sunny disposition because it helps you to release all the um, yuckies and brings you into this moment. It allows you to do something, what I like to say, you grow roots to bear fruit, where you kind of like plant the seed to cultivate mindfulness and then you open up to abundance versus like when it's n you're not in a sunny disposition, you kind of close off and you get like really shut down. So there's a couple different ways to do a balloon breath. Let's bring our hands in front of our chest. So watch out for your neighbor. You might have to caress them. As you inhale, let's say you want to bring in positive energy because you're kind of feeling like you're in a bad space. You inhale, open your arms wide, reach up really high, and exhale, hands to your heart. Say that you have something you want to let go of. What does someone want to let go of today? All right, I want to let go of my kid's crabby behavior. Inhale, reach up high, and then exhale, just let it go. <sighs> Personal space. And your hands are back to your heart. So there's ways to draw in, and there's ways to let go. 
Let's come into a balloon breath where it's actual more physical activity. As you inhale, open up really, really, really wide. Feel expansive and buoyant and light. And then exhale, hollow your belly and close everything up and scrunch your face. And then inhale, open wide, breathe into it, find inspiration. And then exhale, let it go, push everything out. Good, inhale, open, 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 breathe into it. And then exhale, push it out, let it go, hollow your belly, feel your toes curl up in their shoes. And then inhale, open up. And exhale, let it go. So that movement that we're doing is working our central nervous system. And I'm going to show you some interesting pictures about that. But what did you feel just from that simple balloon movement? Oxygen cocktail. <laughs> Anybody feel like, oh, right? You kind of like your heart rate got elevated. You were able to um, inspire yourself to a different place. And you're allowing yourself to um, really find a happy uh, um, position. Um, to me, this effortless effort that we're working on is all about alignment. So there's a dude named Thich Nhat Hanh who's kind of a Buddhist, right? Is anybody interested in Buddhist philosophy? Um, in there, I gave you some lists of interesting books to, to put into your timeout station, so we'll, his name will come up in there. But um, he, uh, he always states that there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. But as uh, therapists and counselors, sometimes you can really tell that someone's just in a bad place and they can't get out of it. But this breath and movement practice really helps people be aligned in their truth. I literally just got something in my inbox last night um, from a therapy council talking about how they did a study on yoga for children and it actually just eight weeks of practice three times a week helps get kids to uh, uh, start coming off of antidepressant meds. So that's pretty cool. To me, alignment is skill in action. It's all about paying attention and being really present. Um, has anybody ever heard of John Kabat-Zinn? So John Kabat-Zinn has a great MBSR program, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction. But a lot of times they talk about the idea of um, resiliency training. So really what we're doing when we practice yoga is we're teaching resiliency training. We're teaching kids how to really calm down um, so that we can be present and in this moment. I like Tarjay Boutique. Does anybody else? <laughs> yes. I like the dollar bins, right? So this was from the dollar bins. And um, one of them they have, it's strobes. So don't get that because you can get someone a um, seizure. But this one just has a little floating bunny in it. But have you ever used those self-regulating jars or created the self-regulating jars? So this works really well. And really what you're teaching is that if most people truly live a short distance from their body, then, and 98% and of what we do is involuntary, what you're teaching people how to do is create choices and actually be present and embody themselves. Kids, I, I, I mean, I bulk kids and adults in the same thing. So, but we're talking about kids. So this works really well. It was in the dollar bin. Um, if you shake it up or you bounce it and then you have the child kind of like hold it. I actually have been using this in nursing homes because there's a lot of anxiety running rampant right now. 
and in nursing homes, and uh, so it's a great tool to just do a breath practice just using that. Um, most of us who practice yoga in the United States practice a form of um, hatha yoga. Ha and ta means sun and moon, and it's same thing, that scale thing, you're finding the balance, and it's called vinyasa, and vinyasa means to place in a special way. So if you're going to a class and you're actually like doing something, you're actually just learning how to place something in a special way. Just kind of interesting that you're actually conditioning yourself to be more present and more focused to have pure seeing so that you place yourself in a special way. Uh, we literally need to teach these skills to kids so they can grow up with the tools. And um, there is a page in there that is stapled that we're going to spend most of our time on. where it says yoga enrichment workshop on the top. And we're teaching kids, it says about on the third line there, to relax, connect, observe, create space for stillness, and pay attention to the movement, which gives us a grounded sensation, offers us consistency, support, wholeness, and awareness. Uh, I like the visual of trees, especially with what we do in yoga, where as we plant the seeds to cultivate mindfulness, that you're teaching that we want to be firmly rooted like a tree. And if we have those root systems and those proper networks in place, we can have a healthy, nurtured, and flexible uh, life, and we grow roots to bear fruit. Yogis, people who practice yoga for a long time, they say that you blossom 10,000-fold. A symbol for yoga also is lotus flower. Have you seen a lot of lotus flowers? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a duck. On the surface, it looks really pretty. But underneath, it's like moving like this and going crazy, right? It's that effortless effort. A lotus flower is the same thing. It grows up from the muck and the mire. And it allows you to really um, radiate and blossom, embracing every facet of yourself, but still finding that balance, that symmetry, right? Lotus flowers can grow up out of, like, nothing. So it's a great symbol. Um, uh, the vinyasa that we do gives us the hero physique in our culture, right? So you always hear people like, oh, I want to do yoga so I don't have bat wings. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm in a different age bracket than most of you, but like, so bat wings are like, I want a really nice ass, so I'm going to go to yoga, right? But it actually has nothing to do with that. That's not why we practice yoga. Uh, the hero physique is kind of like a byproduct of it. What we're doing is there's so much more. We're um, anchoring our gaze, which in yoga is called drishti, internally. Um, yogis believe that the cure for suffering is to look correctly in the world around us. And so the goal of yoga is to maintain a single-pointed focus or concentration of attention. It's kind of cool, right? So far, we haven't really even done a lot of like movement, but we're really learning everything that you teach is basically yogic already. Everything that you do with the students is yogic if you teach them to um, have that um, internal pure seeing and to look correctly at the world around us and, and be really present in your space. Another thing that's really interesting is um, what do you do when you're really upset? I don't know, I hold my breath. 
What do you do when someone's pissing you off in traffic? I hold my breath and I go, when I hold the steering wheel and I get all like tight, right? What do you do when you're um, angry? Okay, what do you do when you're um, inspired? You breathe in, right? So a lot of times we um, hold our breath. We're not often inspired. We don't often let go and exhale. <coughs> People usually only breathe about 30 or 40% of their breathing capacity, which is really scary. So like if a kid comes and says, like, I'm burning, I'm having a burning sensation here, a lot of times it's because they're not taking that conscious, active breath. So part of the um, idea of what we're doing is we're teaching people how to tap into the um, serotonin production. So remember when I had you do in the beginning that three-part breath, belly, lungs, ribs, ribs, lungs, belly? What we're really doing in teaching that optimism and that deep breath is to balance the nervous system. So we're working the central nervous system to reboot our amazing human machine. And um, when we're stressed out in the mind, to me, anxiety is just culmination of grief. And you're holding on, right? So all of a sudden, we become these silos of grief, and then they come see you, right? But if it's an adult, they get, like, even worse and even more, like, angry and violent and all that good stuff. So if we're silos of grief and we suppress it too much, we explode. And when we breathe, we need to let go. And in turn, when we let go, we get rid of the dis of disease and we find ease. And that's why another reason yoga is so important, and I'm going to show you a little bit, is because we're practicing coming into our central nervous system and coming into alignment in our brains just through breath and movement. So um, did you know that every 90 to 120 minutes you breathe through a different nostril? What? Yeah. Every 90 to 120 minutes we breathe through a different nostril. So the child who's coming in with the OCD or the child who's coming in and they're really airy-fairy, it's because they're stuck breathing in one nostril and in turn the left nostril controls the right hemisphere. The right nostril controls the left hemisphere. And so there's no like... Engagement. Are you just looking at me in wonderment, or you're like, this is really cool? It's cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm just checking. <laughs> checking the audience. Okay. So that we're balancing the hemispheres of the brain, and we move from the prefrontal cortex versus in the flight or, fight or flight of the amygdala. If we're only in one breathing nostril, then what happens is, is that we're stuck in the um, basement apartment. Who likes to live in the basement apartment with no windows? Next to the washing machine, right? And you can hear it at night. Uh, but I want to be in the penthouse, totally. So everybody go like this with your hands. All right, do you know this? This is your brain stem. This is your um, hair in the front of your forehead. So if you're stuck in the amygdala or you're stuck at the basement apartment, what happens is you're constantly in fight or flight. Do you know what happens as adults when we're in that space? We're compressing the lower lumbar region, our L4, L5. Anybody ever have a backache? Right? Our kidneys are back here, which means we're not peeing properly and we're all compressed. We're sending cortisol through our system. And then you know what happens to the front of us? We get a muffin top. <laughs> because we're all stressed out 
And so we hold it right here because it's all compressed down here. So if we find alignment and we really open up to the idea of pure seeing and present with the breath and the movement, we're tapping into our prana, our life force energy. And in turn, our life force energy rises up through the central nervous system. We're out of the basement apartment. And if we're stuck in the basement apartment and the cortisol is running through our system and we're all acidic and upset, our hair goes on fire. But if we get out of the basement apartment and we go into the prefrontal cortex, this is when in higher learning, higher states of consciousness, it's like why some people get an aura or a glow. You know, you're like, I want what they have. How can I sip that Kool-Aid? So, we know this is a great way to teach kids. This comes from an organization called MindUp. Has anybody ever heard of MindUp? I love Mind Up. So I'm Mind Up certified, but they also promote super stretch, right? So they have great techniques and tools that are very similar to this yoga in a different package, right? So this is a Mind Up thing. It's great to teach kids about the brain. If you don't teach their kids about the brain, I think it's really awesome to. And I just also read something recently that if kids fall or they've had um, really kind of bad accidents, a lot of times um, there's something that's near the amygdala, like concussions which deter you from getting into the prefrontal cortex unless you do a lot of movement and bilateral practices. Want to try a bilateral cross-functioning practice? Anybody ever do brain gym? I also love brain gym. It's written in your thing. We'll talk about it there. But brain gym is a great way to get into the zone, which is what yogis are trying to do when they find that higher space, where you're just in your truth, in the zone, present, rooted, grounded in your truth. Uh, take your, I'm going to do this the same way you are. Take your um, right arm underneath your left. Weave your palms together. You've done this before, yeah? Bend the elbows out. <laughs> I'm watching Nicole. Oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then rotate the hands up. Okay, you have to look at me. Don't look at anybody else. And now take and bring your um, index finger up. Oh, my handsome friend, you looked at your fingers. Okay, put your hand, uh, finger back down. Now just lift your pinkies up. Is this challenging for some of you? All right, you need to practice this kind of stuff in different yoga movements because this is so important to be able to find balance and symmetry. Just lift your middle finger up. <laughs> and then lower it back down, and then reach your hands out and then release them. How many of you, that was hard? That means that you're brain dominant, right? You're, 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 you have one hemisphere of the brain that's a little bit more dominant than the other. So, so we want to really work on different things to, um, like yoga or meditation and mindfulness practices to help to balance that stuff out so that you're not dominant on one side or the other. Uh, the, uh, no, uh, 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 and then I can do, wait, oh, sorry, now I'm like thinking of, okay, so I cross, flip, reach, that's even better, okay, so that what we're learning here is, um, yoga in and, in, in and of itself is really about alignment, it has nothing to do with the idea of like, fancy moves, or cute spandex. Although I really like cute spandex. <laughs> Good. So everybody freeze. 
and look at how your friends are sitting. Would you say that we're schlumpers? Right? One thing that's super easy and huge is lotus pose, right? So you see all those yogis or you see people where they go crisscross applesauce and then they sit really straight up. That really isn't the pose, right? Because like as adults, we get bad knees or we have bad ankles and it's really hard. But truly, the lotus flower or the idea of alignment is how you're standing. Are your shoulders forward? Are you rounded? Are you giving out all your energy and your toes are pointing out? Are you um, dumping all your power away and <laughs> sorry and, and, and getting a compression through your low back, right? So really, sitting in lotus or starting your alignment actually comes from, this is your queen. I swear to God, it's all the queen. <laughs> this is your king, right? These are the servants. The king and the queen want to create a kingdom. <laughs> so they have to meet someplace down here and they have to meet someplace up here which means that in turn we have to find this dynamic opposition right we have to learn how to find something that yogis call tadasana do you have children who stand like this right so we know that they're having an emotional issue already because that's your job but Physically, once you really watch people doing yoga or practicing and get more aware with bodies, body awareness, there's something up, okay? This, letting everything go. And you're not only compressing, but you're just like, you're kind of like drawing in the wrong kind of attention, right? So you're in need of something. But when your king and queen are getting it on and the hips are actually doing the proper thing, then what happens is, is that you're finding a balance with this conscious active breath in a pose called Tadasana. Anybody ever heard Tada? Right? That's when the magician pulls the bunny out of the hat. Right? Tada! So I think that yogis are like alchemists. Your yoga is alchemy. Because you can change your body. There's an ancient quote that I'm turning into English, but you can literally rewrite your autobiography by practicing yoga. So say you have like a hip problem, or say you have like um, asthma, or say you have diabetes. You can heal yourself through the practice of yoga. And I'm not selling snake oil. Although I do like that bulletproof coffee guy. Everybody thinks he's selling snake oil. Anybody tried bulletproof coffee? Oh, we put like the butter in it, right? Nicole and I like that woo stuff. But the idea of um, coming into your space, it is very magical. When you're in proper alignment, it is ta-da. And you're working your central nervous system. And in turn, you're standing in the power and the stillness of the ha and the ta. Right? How I said ha and ta is the balancing of the sun and the moon. Right? And that balance and balancing the scales is what we're doing. So that when we look at the idea of hatha, the real definition of it in Sanskrit means forceful, masterful. Everybody always thinks yoga is really easy, but it's not for lame people or people who are like kind of like not ready to do the hard work. When you come into alignment and you're finding your tada and you're finding the central nervous elongating, a lot of people think that um, yoga is all about um, 
uh, movement. But they don't really realize or understand that in order to not flip our lid, right, which is that little example I showed you, we have to actually use our brain. There's a woman who wrote a book called Stroke of Insight. Anybody ever read that book? Okay, it's really, really cool. This lady was a doctor. She studied strokes and all of these different things. And then she actually had a stroke and had to study her own brain and heal herself. Here she is with a brain. What do you notice about the brain? Yeah, right? Most people think that this thing stops at the bone right here, right? Most people think that, that their brain is just up here and it's not really connected to everything else. So over 5,000 years ago, yogis knew all about the central nervous system without really knowing or having a stethoscope or a, um, you know, like a microscope or anything that could like go in. They just knew that we, had over, we have over 72,000 meridian lines of energy and they all need to work properly in order to get our head in the right place. So that we are practicing all these movements to find center, but the movements start from right down here. So if you really think about it, if the king and the queen are in alignment, and if you stick your finger in your belly button like the um, Pillsbury Doughboy, I wish they'd bring those commercials back. <laughs> um, right? Okay. Take three fingers below the belly button. Now take your index finger out of your belly button and put it below the three fingers. This is where we need to breathe from. Because these little ganglia nerves at the bottom, right there, that's where they start, about right here. So if the king and queen are in alignment and there's no compression along the spinal column and our central nervous system can function properly, there's no dis-ease. What happens here is that this base part is called a mula. Mula means root. Hence why I like the tree analogy a lot, right? Because you truly have this tree. And when all the energetic channels are open, you're finding something called, well, obviously focus and clarity, but you're finding something that's called containment. You're drawing to center, right? What happens when you're thinking or having a really bad day? So let's do down dog, okay? So we'll do down dog as chair yoga, and we'll stand up, and all you're going to do is take your hands to the chair, the, the desk or the back of the chair, and reach your butt back. So the down dog's having a really bad day, and he wags his tail, that's our tail, our buns, our butt, and shakes his troubles away. So your head is below your heart, you're engaging your parasympathetic nervous system, you're calming yourself down, and you're allowing your, um, literally and figuratively, to take your head out of your ass. Right? It's a little bit of a forward fold, but this is a down... I, am I not supposed to swear? Probably. Sorry. I apologize. It's okay. 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 So you're letting your head hang down, and you're allowing the subtle levels of the body, the things that run along the spine, the spinal column, to do their work. But doesn't that feel good on your shoulders? Does it feel good on your hamstrings? It feels good because your head is heavy. Depending on how smart you are, it's about 8 to 10 pounds. <laughs> so your head kind of gives you natural traction. And then we'll come on back up. 
So all of these, th and then we'll sit down, but all of these things combined, everything that we're talking about, the yogis called nadis, little flowing rivers of energy. They would say that the heavens have their constellations, the earth has its waterways, but our bodies have these little flowing rivers of energy. So scientists, we all call it now nerves, right? But, and yogis called it nadis. And then they called them chakras. And you've heard of chakras if you're like a yogi, you know the word chakra, but you don't really know what it is. It's the major intersections of the nadis, the flowing rivers of energy. They all stem along the central nervous system and work to the neurological pathways. So this woman's name is Jill. Jill's holding her brain, but in order to get her brain to function, she had to like literally start figuring out how to get these neurological pathways to open up. If I'm upset and I have a compression somewhere, it actually in turn affects either the parasympathetic or the sympathetic in your body. It affects your nervous system. So there's a sheet that I handed out to all of you. That's the last three pages where it says the lines of communication within your body and um, what they represent. So say like someone says to you, my low back's been hurting for a really long time, and they point to a little area of it, then you kind of know that it's really not the low back that's going on. It might be something physically in one of your organs or emotionally. Because the idea of saying something like eliciting emotions through your body, get the weight of the world off your shoulders. Someone's a pain in my behind. Those actually relate to the neurological pathways. It's not like things that we just came up with. It's actually the truth. And then you figure out how to do a pose, or what yogis call a pose, they call it an asana. And by definition, or Jess's definition of it, it's to sit on the platform of the breath. Physical movements are great. When someone's working out and you see someone after a run and they sit with their foot in the leg and then they do a forward fold and they're like, you know, like really stretching out because they did such a good job, it has nothing to do with um, yoga unless it is deep breathing combined with it, right? Yoga isn't yoga, it's just stretching until you incorporate the breath. The breath, yogis call prana. And prana is um, something pretty fascinating. Pra is the smallest atom or the smallest essence of something. And then the idea of prana means that you are breaking things down to the smallest atom, the smallest essence of something, so that you can witness and be present in this moment. And we've come right back to the beginning where we're talking about yoga is all about calming the monkey mind, calming ourselves down. So that when we are doing things that are really interesting, like um, that brain gym thing, it helps us to get the synopsis in our central nervous system to work better. Is that interesting? I think so. Um, and in turn, we heal ourselves from the inside out. So that hero physique and all the pretty stuff that we get, that's just secondary to what's happening in our body. Um, when we talk about neuroplasticity, the idea of neuroplasticity, um, did you know that the muscles are driven by your brain and the brain is driven by your muscles? 
so that in turn, the more we move, the more brain cells we build and rejuvenate. They say now, and they're studying the monks in Madison, and they're doing all these really cool work where they're studying people in meditation and MRIs, and they're noticing that you can actually really keep your brain strong just by meditating and breathing. And um, that gray matter can be, like, regenerated. Uh, the idea of yoga is cool because you're folding your spine in six directions and you're supporting that health and healing of the central nervous system by doing that. So a tadasana, right, this is where you're allowing yourself to um, stand in your truth and be really present. But say that you're not really grounded and you don't really feel focused, everybody stand up. Um, one of my favorite and really simple basic things to do is something called a penguin, right? Because they dress really nice and they have this funny little suit on and they go like this with their tails. So everybody just take your hands and push them back. What in turn are you noticing in your body? Your chest is opening. Do the muscles that support your spine feel stronger? Do you feel more like you're doing a, a crunches almost? Maybe. You're starting to engage from the inside out. And then relax your arms. You two be partners. You two be partners. You two be partners and kind of go along. And if anybody doesn't have a partner, so two and two and two, and two, and then you t t tall, handsome guy in blue shirt. Yeah. Anybody not have a partner? <laughs> Anybody not have a, t uh, okay. Look at your partner. The same thing we just did, teaching ourselves how to stand in our truth, we're going to do tree pose. Bring your hands forward, palm space, and now take your right foot into your right leg. Okay, fancy yogis. Now push into each other like you're having a tug of war, kind of. And what do you know? What do you know? What do you start feeling? Push, 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 push. Breathe, 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 breathe. Okay, and then release. Should we do the other side so you don't feel lopsided? Okay, so try the other side. And when you try the other side and you press and press and press and press and then release. And we'll come back and sit again. So what did that feel when you were doing partner tree pose? Anybody? Yep, you found your center. Your king and queen were in alignment, right? You're, you felt more elongated. You were starting to like really get into this more open space, which in turn, do you feel more like giddy and happy and woo? <laughs> so you're coming into optimal alignment, and when you find your optimal alignment, um, yogis say that um, your body lights up, right? So that glow where you see someone where you're like, oh, cool, I want some of that, it's actually because you're so connected and everything is so engaged 
and every you are present, which in turn all of your um, muscle fibers, your tissues, your atoms of your being, everything is like bright, and it, and and you're a beacon of positivity. So that sunny disposition and that optimal alignment actually comes from the spark of that inner alignment. Uh, how many of you have seen the doctor symbol? Right, the doctor symbol of the little snakies. So it's called. I'm gonna. It's either a caducus or a caducus, right? But um, they. Some people say that that comes from that Greek god Hermé, like the purse. But uh, actually, it comes from a yoga symbol. If the snakes cross, it's just like this picture that we were showing of the brain. Because where the snakes start and then they cross, they reach up to a little ball and then they grow wings. Those wings are when the hemispheres of the brain are in balance. So that symbol is very yogic in theory. Because if everything is interconnected, it's like Red Bull, which I guess was made by a Thai, uh, Thai guy who's like a gazillionaire and then he partnered with some other person and it gives you wings like Red Bull. Right? <laughs> Yoga gives you wings. Except you don't have to drink that weird whatever is in it. Uh, so that the, the caduceus, the way that it kind of opens up and then your brain can find that balance, but it has to start or emanate way down here. So that um, neuroplasticity starts through the movement of yoga, which folds our spines, as I mentioned, in six directions. And when we do tadasana, we feel really grounded. So you're like, I am, present and accounted for. Then when we go into something called a forward fold, Right, And we did a forward fold, and we were like this, down dog is a forward fold, whether it's with the table, a chair, or if your hands are on the ground. That regulates your systems. It's an autonomic relaxation response. It alters your hormone levels, which is awesome if you're going through the change of life. But it, like, especially if kids are like teenagers and they're going through like stuff. Um, it sends fresh oxygen to your brain. The forward fold, affect the cervical and lumbar spine, and so it automatically turns on the parasympathetic nervous system. Anybody know what the wandering nerve is? The longest nerve in your body is called the wandering nerve. It's the vagus nerve, not like Las Vegas, but V-A-G-U-S. And um, if you've ever done any backbends or you've ever felt like really panicky, a lot of times it's because that's pinched. When that nerve is functioning properly, it goes towards your tummy and it give, makes you feel really calm. But if you're like, do a back bend, um, anybody ever done camel pose? And you feel like you come up and you're like, and you kind of feel on edge. That's what happens when you pinch the nerve. So a lot of people, if you touch the back of your neck, you have that big bone, that's your C7. A lot of people who have whiplash, or who have like um, not a lot of strength that they've created, or they feel like they're kind of like 
they have a compression in that area because they're kind of holding things in. A lot of times they're constantly pinching that little vagus nerve. They're always in a state of fight or flight and anxious because they're not opening up all the lines of communication in their body. Interesting. That's another reason for wanting to be in alignment or in Tadasana. Balancing poses, like what you did with the tree pose. Balancing poses in yoga teach you what you stand for. They balance the midline. They help you um, to increase focus. And it's a key pose for kids who are ADHD because it helps them to um, rise up to their best self and be really present. And then twisting poses. Um, we did a little bit of a twist here, sitting in the chair. Any twisting poses helps your adrenals, your kidneys, and strengthen your spine. So now what I'd like to do is just go through these sheets uh, before we move into like actual poses. I'd love to go through all the sheets that I handed out that we haven't touched yet. Cool? All right. Anybody have any questions so far? Why is the sky blue today? Is there more coffee? Yeah. How often do you feel like a person needs to practice yoga to get the benefits? For like an adult like us or kids? Kids or adults. I think that, uh, so ancient yogis called yoga, yoga chikitsa, like chikita banana. And there would be a person walking around with a bowl, like alms for the poor. And they would go from town to town, and you would get a breath work and one yoga pose from this person, and that would be it. And then you would just practice it, almost like a morning routine or a ritual. I think if you do something habitually, it becomes a daily practice, just automatically, without ever, um, you know, doing it intent. You don't have to do it for like an hour or an hour and a half. You can just do something at your home where maybe it's a sun salutation every morning. And, uh, and some breathing practices. And that's yoga, you know? Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, two to three times a week would be great. Every day would be great. Uh, um, if you weren't um, practicing just one pose and one breath a day, like you got a prescription for healing, um, uh, there's a practice called Ashtanga, which is, I gave you a sheet here of Ashtanga. Ashtanga ashta means eight. So we practice in yoga the eightfold path. These people do five sun citation A's, five sun citation B's, and then from left to right, they do that whole thing. It takes an hour and a half. This is where the idea of power vinyasa came from in our culture. If anybody has an hour and a half that they can spend doing yoga every day, I'd be really impressed. But what happens is, is that the only time that Ashtanga yogis don't do yoga is when um, they're having their ladies' holiday or a moon phase. So if it was a full moon or a, a, a waning, you know, then, then they wouldn't do it on moon phases. So they pretty much do this all the time, which means you're getting up at 4 in the morning. Uh, so they yeah, are, right? And you're going to bed early, though. Yeah. 
So this is, this is an example in your handouts. This is an example of yoga postures, asanas and their names. I wanted you to get an understanding of that. Uh, when we um, went over um, the lines of communication, so now you kind of know a little bit more about your spine. If you were going to um, study or learn about the chakras and were more interested in it, there's two sheets on that. One is just telling you, like, um, if a kid has a rounded shoulders, they have, they're working on their fourth, their fourth chakra, which is all about their heart, their personal challenges, love for themselves, and how to boost their self-esteem is what you want to really work on. Postures to do, and it tells you that. And then the meditations are something you could do for a meditation. So I wanted you to kind of understand that. And then... There's a page before that one that is formatting themes and ideas for um, schoolrooms or classes. You could do this as, oh, this is we're going to do this once a week, and this is our theme for once a week, for seven weeks, or it's a seven-day thing, or it's a summer camp, or something like that. And then the thing um, I really believe as yogis or people who are into healthy lifestyles and are leaning towards pranayama and meditation as the new health revolution, you really have to think about the foods that you eat. So the last thing that's stapled is all about um, pH levels. And especially when you're dealing with kids, and this will be in the useful tricks and stuff that we start going through, but... The um, pH levels are huge, and a lot of times, and especially with the foods that we eat, we're extremely acidic, and there's a chart on there that kind of talks to you about it, but a lot of times someone's disposition can literally just be changed by the foods that they eat. And I know it's hard because we don't go home with the kids and know what their parents have the ability to afford to feed them, but we can instill po positive values and messages so maybe that they can then want to um, do a, a, a gratitude or compassion project and go with their parents to the grocery store and see if they can figure out some positive foods to eat that'll keep everybody on a more balanced plane. Uh, the other sheet that I um, handed out was uh, with the cast of characters so when I teach a kid's class or when you're teaching a kid's class, a lot of times it's really easy to just have the mission be this is kind of our rules of the game and how we're going to kind of play. And nothing is impossible. Always be honest. Make the world a better place. Act with kindness. Share with others. Trust and believe in yourself. Enjoy and have fun are pretty much what namaste is or the golden rules of how to act or conduct with your friends and the people that you're um, practicing super stretch with. Um, when I first started teaching, it was really interesting because uh, namaste was still a scary word and yoga was still a scary word, so it became an acronym. This is a cast of characters. If you don't have the flashcards, you can print this off from the website, but you can just have a kid pick a pose. Yoga in um, adult classes, as you can see from this chart, is very sequential and has an arc of the way that you teach to adults. For children, you really don't have to have a specific order. You can just pick something fun. Ultimately, we would like to have a specific order, 
but in when you're um, teaching and playing and um, uh, allowing kids to find expression and playful movement helps to heal your body by creating um, sensory integration and um, relaxation responses. You don't have to be perfect. And you're not worried about alignment like a teacher in a yoga class for adults would. You're just learning about how to be present in your body and take a couple deep breaths so that you're getting your central nervous system to start to activate the endocrine system so that you can grow up healthy and strong. Uh, there is a sheet that says the class structure for teachers. It's two sheets, two-sided, not two sheets. It literally teaches you how to create an Adventures with Super Stretch class or how to create a yoga class. You have your theme of Adventure with Super Stretch. Maybe you're going to the farm, maybe you're going to the zoo, maybe you're going to the circus, but you're creating a theme of a story. You have a lesson, a moral lesson that they're kind of learning, like if it's, your, if it's not your sack, put it back. Don't hit your brother. And that might be your theme kind of created into it. You have a word for the day. And then it teaches you how to kind of build on the class and build rapport. I always pick a breath exercise for your practice. And then you're organizing the postures into integration and warm-up poses, sun salutation, standing and balancing postures and hero poses, core strengthening postures, seated postures, and then you go into something that I like to call rest and dream time. Um, it's um, Shavasana. And when we're so busy and we've been running around all day and we're really scattered and, and not focused, a lot of times people crave relaxing, but they don't know how to do it. So Shavasana is a good opportunity for all the lines of communication in your body to come back into harmony so that you come into balance. And I gave you on the other side a simple body scan, which yogis call, if you've ever heard a class or looked at a yoga studio and said like, oh, what's a yoga nidra? Yoga means like deep, yoga nidra means like deep sleep or relaxation. So you're kind of like awake, but you're propped and you're going through a visualization. This is a visualization for kids to ground down and to calm down. So like your eyebrows are caterpillars. You know, that kind of stuff. But it's just a different way to communicate. It's called a body scan. So you're scanning the body. It's a very healing tool because if we have dis-ease, it usually means we're disconnected. And if we're disconnected, sometimes just breathing into different parts of your body helps you to stay connected and grounded. And then um, balloon breaths I showed you. And I always like to inspire kids at the end of class to do some kind of act of kindness, call it happiness and gratitude practice, whether it's cleaning up your room or putting dishes away or something like that, or whatever ties into the theme of your class. So this gives you a structure of how to teach a kid's class. All right. Then there's a sheet that says um, Adventures of Super Stretch, and it just starts with obesity. You have two more sheets there. One stapled. This is the one that's not stapled. So if obesity, juvenile diabetes, ADD, ADHD, depression, anxiety, and stress are on the rise in children and even adults, parents and schools are looking to seek solutions to encourage physical activity and keep kids healthy and happy. And super stretch is actually a great way to do it or any kind of physical movement and breathing practice. Um, 
you're really working towards sensory integration tools that have therapeutic benefits. And as I showed you through the spine, you know now just by doing these movements, it's therapeutic because you're healing so many things that run along the central nervous system and allow your brain to develop better. And then in turn, you're self-regulating. And when you're self-regulating, you're working um, to help your body, brain, and your heart. So yoga, mindful movement, and breathing practices help every aspect of a kid's life, from body, brain, to heart. And so when you're teaching relaxation, you're teaching stillness, right? Even sitting here, you're probably thinking about lunch, what you got to do later, what's happening next month, what happened before you came here, right? So you're not practicing stillness. It's really a challenging thing for us to do, but if we could really be present to the breath, and allow the inhales and exhales to kind of bring us back to center, then we would be able to have what I love to call a purposeful pause. Right? In turn, we can slow down and not be running around from screen to screen, but really have the mental space and capacity to um, be in our optimal alignment. A huge thing about really being aware of your physicality is that you are allowing yourself to um, know your body and have body awareness. And I think that's a really, really good thing to do because if you know your body, then in turn you know what not to do to other people and how to really act towards other with a place of kindness or metta. And with our brain, when I showed you that little thing about flipping your lid and triggering and all of that stuff, what this pragmatic resiliency training is teaching you is that in times of stressful situations, you can respond versus react, which is a lot of what you're working on with the children that come to you. We're teaching them how to be proactive versus reactive. So the neuroscience of brain plasticity teaches you how to have that can-do attitude and optimism because you're... Um, lighting up the prefrontal cortex. And in turn, when you do that, you can listen and you can learn. So even as adults, if we emptied the cup of our mind every day and opened up and allowed ourselves to have that childlike wonderment and learn new things every day, we'd be such better humans, right? We'd be so much more open and resilient and to pay attention without judgment. And in turn, it allows you to express yourself in a positive way, but it gives you the opportunity to be creative and be yourself, right? And a lot of times, I'm sure you have kids who come to you because they know what they want to be, but they have that FOMO or that um, peer pressure or all of these things that kind of society puts upon us of how we need to look like because it was in a magazine or because the popular person was that way. But if we could really be ourselves and own our truth, that would be so awesome. And then in turn, when we do yoga, we allow ourselves to develop trust and respect and um, allow ourselves to have emotional stability. And in turn, you're, have those, you learn about like good and bad feelings. When I grew up, I, there was a book called TA for Tots, Warm Fuzzies and Cold Pricklies. I was a free-to-be-you-and-me kid. 
the last sheet is this, the stapled one. Useful tricks to um, help kids create space for stillness and pay attention to the moment. I've talked a lot about um, this stuff, so what we'll do is we'll go through these pages and I'll add in different poses and different fun things. But before I get to this, does anybody have any questions? Everybody's doing okay? Great. Um, the uh, amazing thing about our bodies is that in order to be efficient, we need to really get that, uh, purify our oxygen. So the inhales of the inspiration have to be just as effective as the exhales of the letting go. So the breath work that I taught you in the beginning where we did um, our chair yoga is called a three-part breath. It's, uh, it's, called, it's from a practice called integral yoga. It's one of the oldest breathing practices or one of the initial breathing practices to teach that we need to breathe from the mula or the root of our body, right? So belly, lungs, ribs ribs, lungs, belly is a great way to teach a child to calm down. Sometimes I have balloons and I'll have people blow out balloons, you know, like so I have balloons in your office or a lot of times, especially if a kid's really anxious, um, I have them lay down on their backs and breathe so that they feel their back touch the floor. Because when we're really stressed out and we're right here, Breathing into our chest isn't effective. We need to breathe deeper. So if we breathe deeper and two-thirds of your lungs are at your back body, lay down on the ground and feel the breath. Or if you're really, really stressed out, put a yoga buddy on your tummy or something really heavy as you're laying on your back and feel it rise and fall. Make your buddy, your yoga buddy, rise and fall. And in turn, what happens is that all of a sudden, you calm your shit down. Because you've literally turned the volume that was on high all the way down. And you've poured out your cup, and you've created space, and you've let yourself relax. Another thing that I like to do that's kind of fun, because I showed you some balloon breath examples, um, is to um, play with feathers. Dollar store is your best friend, right? So passing feathers to each other, I didn't bring feathers because then it would be a disco party. But So passing feathers because it teaches you how to exhale, right? If you breathe properly, you come into homeostasis. If you breathe properly, you'll never have to do a crunch again. I swear to God, I'm inherently lazy. The, I am. The diaphragm, when it moves properly, literally massages your entire body and it keeps fat at bay, and it really allows you to be balanced, and you won't have to worry about all of those things uh, like crunches, because it engages all of the abdominal muscle groups. And remember that your six-pack abs, that's pretty superficial, so I like cadaver labs, and when you take off the skin of your amazing human machine, it's not really six-packs, there's eight. And then in turn, when you peel away the muscle, you have your diaphragm. Your diaphragm's actually doing the work. The muscles outside are kind of superficial. They help your container. Anybody ever hear of a band called the Meat Puppets? We're kind of a meat puppet. Sorry. We're held in three-dimensional form, but really what's keeping us going 
is that really awesome diaphragm. And it actually creates and helps with peristalsis because your diaphragm moves and kisses your heart. It's like you have this little trampoline inside of you, and when you're stressed out and you're only here and the trampoline's not doing anything, then you get like this, like Jabba the Hutt. Stuff comes out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, so then another thing that I love to do with children um, is, are animal noises. Uh, lion's breath is a yogic breath where you stick out your tongue and you cross your eyes. But what it's doing actually is when you yawn, it calms your vagus nerve. It triggers relaxation. You don't have to cross your eyes, but if you know any of the children that you work with that have had eye issues, when you do eye exercises, it actually is good for your brain. Right? So crossing the eyes flips the switch to make your brain kind of wake up. Another thing that works really well is um, a yawn. So we yawn while we're pouring ourselves our own oxygen cocktail. Just automatically, because our body knows. It's like our bodies are so smart. We should let our minds stop controlling it. Um, howling like a wolf. Let's all do it. Ow! It's coming from down there at the root. Um, a whale. So whales have like weird, beautiful noises, but it's that same. I'm not going to do it, but making really long exhales. Um, those of you who do practice yoga, there's a yoga that a lot of hot yoga studios do in town. It's called Breath of Fire. It comes from a yoga discipline called Kundalini. Kundalini is like when people shake and they dress in white and they do all kinds of interesting things. And yeah, when Taylor Swift came out with her song, Shake It Off, it actually is a real thing. Like, literally, shake, 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 just your right arm. Shake, 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 just your left arm. And you can do this for, like, a half hour. I've danced around the room with, like, famous kundalini yoga teachers for a half hour, just literally shaking, doing bilateral cross-body functioning movements, and all we were doing was having a dance party. It was the best drug I ever took. <laughs> yoga and breathing is the best drug in the world. But sniffing like a bunny, this breath of fire that comes from kundalini practice teaches you how to breathe in that space that we found, three fingers below the belly button. Every exhale, you're going like someone kind of went like this to you, and you press back and you go. What do you think? Okay. I need a um, napkin, but, um, <laughs> okay, Kleenex, cool, okay, here's another one, and then take a Kleenex back, oh, this is the last one, okay, y'all take a Kleenex, oh, yeah, okay, perfect, so we'll take a napkin and pass it on, and then, does that breath of fire make sense to you, right, what it does is it literally takes the base of the spine, triggers the central nervous system, and, and then when you get your Kleenex, unwind it, or your, yeah, unwind it. All right, so that breath of fire literally is called skull shining breath for a reason because it makes you happy. So if you did that like 30 times with someone who was like really like, 
I'm going to punch a wall or I'm really upset. And you just sat there and you can do it through the mouth if it's better, but it's more effective through the nostrils because when you breathe through the nose, it is for the parasympathetic nervous system, which means you're sending serotonin, the happy hormone. When you breathe through your mouth, it actually sends cortisol through your system and it makes you acidic. It, may, it's caught, it creates stressors and it overtaxes your system. So animals pant. That's cool. They need to. Humans really need to breathe through their nose because it triggers a calming mechanism in their body. So breath of fire is great to wake someone up and get them into a sunny disposition. I love doing this one, too, to teach people how to breathe. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth and make your curtain move. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. So kind of hold it up so your curtain moves. You're supposed to be like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. It's supposed to be like really moving, okay? Okay, let's try that one more time. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Okay. <laughs> the woman in the <laughs> it's a high quality nap. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, try inhaling through the nose and exhale through the nose and make the curtain move. It's harder. Okay, let's try three times in a row. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose. Put the little curtain down and just find the rebound. Just kind of sit there and breathe for a second. So what did you uh, experience from that? It's easier to inhale than exhale, right? We're not a cu culture that exhales, and we really need to learn how to exhale. Felt dizzy. Felt dizzy. Lightheaded. Head rush. Head rush, right? So it means we really need to find that a little bit more often, that exhale, a deep cathartic exhale, so we calm our central nervous system. Did anybody notice their tummies had to work harder to breathe, right? So when we're breathing, we're really working from there. But when we're stuck up here in our head, a lot of times that we're not taking that big conscious active breath using our diaphragm, well, we aren't truly connected. Mm -hmm. We need oxygen. Uh, another thing that I like to do is to buzz like a bee. So... Um, when a child is overwhelmed or even an adult is overwhelmed, and I know Tarzan seems really funny, but there's like tapping and EFT and all of that stuff. Have you ever heard of that? That works so freaking well. But it's the same as the buzzy bee, right? So you inhale and breathe in, and now exhale, and you're going to breathe into the area where you're, say you have a tummy ache or your heart hurts, and you're going to let it go, and you're going to go and I'm the only one who's doing it. Do you want to do it with me? Okay. And push it out 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 and push it out. And then inhale, breathe in. 
And do it again. Push it out. Focus on that area that's really been bugging you and let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Really push it out. And then just take a really nice couple deep breaths. Lean back. Feel your system calming. Notice your brain might be buzzing, but you've literally triggered yourself to kind of tap back into you. So it's a cathartic way to let go. Uh, one other thing that I'll show you in the breathing stuff is, bless you if that was like music, okay, uh, is the dolphin breath. So alternate nostril breathing is kind of like the whole reason that we do yoga or meditate. It's to find the balance of the scales, to find the balance of the ha and the ta, to find the balance between your strengths and your weaknesses. We're really trying to find the equanimity and the ease in our life so that everything's really harmonious and just flows. And when we do the alternate nostril breathing with kids, I call it the dolphin breath. And what it does is it, um, for the person who is amazed, if you are only breathing through one nostril, it actually balances out and opens up the other nostril so that your brain synopsises start firing again. Should we try it? Take your right hand to your nostril. Reach your left arm out nice and wide. And you're a dolphin swimming through the ocean of life. Exhale through the left. And then inhale through the left. Plug it up. Exhale through the right. Inhale through the right. Plug it up. Exhale through the left. Inhale through the left. Plug it up. Exhale through the right. Inhale through the right. Plug it up. Exhale through the left. Inhale through the left. Plug it up. Exhale through the right. Inhale through the right. Plug it up. Exhale through the left. And release the hands. <laughs> so what's interesting about that breathing exercise is that it depends on which side you start on, whether you want to do energizing or whether you want to do calming. So obviously this is a workshop that's very expedited. <laughs> In turn, uh, you are going to have to do a little bit of research if you want to know if you should start breathing through which nostril. It's called breath ratios, but, and you can also like loop. You don't have to inhale and exhale, but there's like all kinds of different things. But it's an interesting practice to trigger the connections of the hemispheres of the brain. Uh, a lot of times, too, if you do um, with someone, I don't know if you can touch, but back-to-back um, -back breathing with someone is also really effective in getting them to ground down. Say that you're having uh, challenges with your children. I'm only against Sarah because you mentioned children, so I'm not pointing a finger at you. But say you just sit back-to-back or with your partner and you're having like a really kind of bad off day and you like lean into them, sit back up tall and you just inhale and exhale a little bit, it kind of brings you both to the same place. 
then there's a little thing that teaches you about the playful movement and positive psychology of the mindfulness practice of yoga. And it's uh, all about self-regulating and how the diaphragmatic breathing uh, calms your parasympathetic nervous system, allows you to balance your strength and your weaknesses, liberates the spinal column, all that good stuff. When I was talking to you about the uh, body-brain connection, it goes through and really tells you what forward folds, balancing poses, and twisting poses help you do. Monkey pose is a really fun pose. Would you like to do monkey pose and feel a forward fold? Yes. All right, let's stand up. Monkeys are really silly, so we're going to say that we're a howler monkey in Costa Rica, because I was in Costa Rica last year. Howler monkeys are really loud, so be really loud and like dance around and ooh, be really like And reach up really high and just stretch and stretch and stretch because you're hungry. So you're going to get a plantain at the top of the tree. Mm, but you dropped your plantain, so you're going to forward fold and you're going to reach your hands to the ground and you're just going to let yourself hang out. Have a little micro bend in the knees. Your neck is long, your eyes are soft, and with this forward fold, Allow your um, challenges, all your thoughts, everything that's bugging you to just roll down your spine, off your fingertips towards the floor. And let's take a little bit of a twist in your um, forward fold. Keep your left hand down, reach your right arm up, twisting and opening. And take your right hand down and your left arm up, twisting and opening. Take the left hand down, your head hangs down, and then real slowly, with a bend in the knees, roll, roll, roll your body up to standing. And now you're not a howler monkey, but you're really relaxed. Let's do a balancing pose, which really helps you to uh, balance your midline. A uh, balancing pose would be like a tree pose, but let's try something um, called airplane pose or toppling tree, or it's a variation of a yoga pose called warrior three. So you're going to have to kind of turn the long way, so be careful of your neighbor. Bring your hands to your hips. Step your right foot forward. Reach the left toes back. Reach your arms back. And just like your penguin, feel your back strong and your front body strong. Lift the left leg up as you reach your heart forward. You're just soaring through the air. <laughs> Good balance. Hands to your hips. Left knee bends up high. Step the left foot forward. Lift the right toes over. Reach your fingers back. Lift the right leg up as your chest comes forward, breathing deeply, inhaling and exhaling. You got it. Your legs are strong. You got it. Heart is held high. You're just soaring lightly, buoyantly through the clouds. Step your right foot to greet the left. Arms down by your sides. Nice. Now you just did a balancing pose. Want to try another balancing pose? This is called dancer's pose. Um, it's great for hip hike and hip flexors and quads. 
Take and reach your um, hands to your hips. Feet are parallel with each other. Spine is long. Reach your right hand back and grab onto your right foot. Reach your left hand forward and kick and stretch. So you're in this pose called dancer's pose. You're kind of like a seeker, but you're balancing two dynamic opposites. You're reaching and stretching as you kick. In equal yet opposite directions, always finding your center. And release, toes and heels together. Ready for the other side? Hands to your hips, elbows reach back. Left heel comes up, left hand reaches back. Right hand reaches forward. Kick and stretch. I did OTF yesterday. Orange Theory Fitness. Oh. <laughs> I'm in pain. <laughs> Open your heart and really find this freedom. Good. And then release, toes and heels together, arms down. Shake it off. And then we'll do a little twisting pose. So we did a twist and a forward fold. Twists really work with your adrenals and your kidneys. Um, we can do one seated. So we'll separate our feet a little bit wider. I, I, I grew up in that era of flash dance, right? So like my thing is always like, ooh, this looks a little like pole dancing. But um, just, it's not. So your elbows are here, your palms are pressing in towards each other. Now push into your left elbow and look to the right. Feel that space on the right, left side? You're opening up the mid-back, the intercostals. Engage your glutes and really press your buns to the seat and stretch to the other side. Pushing into the right elbow now, look to the left. And come on back to center. On your exhale, roll yourself up and bring your feet together. And your spine is long. So you can do that more aggressive or less aggressive, but it's a great way to get a little bit of a twist. Plus, you can do a head below the heart and do a forward fold. Um, when we get into yoga fitness and playful movement exercises for your body, your mind, and your heart, there's a growing epidemic, as uh, I've been mentioning throughout this kind of little mini lecture, how stress and related illnesses and poor mental health is happening with our children and even our adults. So um, worry, exhaustion, feeling disconnected, stress, anxiety, and trauma, to me, like, all fall under the same umbrella. And I don't know what kind of issues are coming into your offices, but I just know that a lot of people are really, really stressed out. And with all this technology and this busy lives and over-programming and we're overtaxed, our attention spans are at an all-time low. So basically, most people are suffering from this, like, running around ADD, ADHD, without even, like, maybe that's that, not their personality, but they just are having a hard time finding a way to control. So in order to uh, find this grounded consistency or I've got your back kind of feeling, the yoga gives you a, a, a really great way to um, kind of tap in and be present. 
because we're maintaining that single pointed focus. And I know yoga, everybody says yoga is all about like movement and stuff like that. But to me, yoga is more about the breathing thing. So that's why I spent a lot of time on the breathing. One of my favorite things to do is Arda the Elephant. It's on the app, but it's a really good one. Um, it's a balancing one and it's a forward fold and it could be a twist if you wanted it to be. So let's all stand up. And everything's optional too, you're just here to hang out. So it's up to you if you want to do it. I like to keep my feet a little bit wider than frontal hip bone distance apart. And I start off with, which is in the cards, a washer and a dryer. So Wally the washer and Doris the dryer, they like live in my basement and they clean your body from the inside out. So just like you do dishes, I like to tell kids, or just like you wash clothes, uh, you're washing your body from the inside out with breath and movement. So you're cleaning yourself and it's so important to keep doing that so you stay healthy. Take your hands to your hips and the washer dryer will move into the uh, elephant. You're going to have a little bend in the knees and then you're just going to twist to the right, exhaling, going shh. Inhale, exhale, shh. Inhale, exhale, shh. Inhale, exhale, shh. And let's continue, but now start to open your arms. Stretch on over to your right. 
Come on through center. Stretch it over to the left. Come on through center. And now on your exhale, what do you want to let go of? Let's go. Let go of um, a bad conversation. And you're gonna go ha. Inhale, reach up high. Let go of taxes. Reach up really high. Let go of politics. Politics. Inhale, reach up high, but you get the gist, right? Exhale, arms down by your side. So to me, it's like chopping wood. Once again, that's a kundalini practice um, to let go and really release. Um, but it gives you a grounded consistency uh, uh, so that you really feel like you're present and comfortable. Um, some of these are like stupid human tricks and things that you do on your back. We're not going to do anything on our backs. Uh, let's see what other fun thing would be. Oh, we could do eyes around the clock. So let's sit and come into a comfortable space. As you come into a comfortable space, uh, bring your arms up uh, and up nice and high. So what's interesting is that we also have to stretch the ligaments in our eyes. So if I told you all to look up to 12, uh, noon, what would you do? Okay, some of you are lifting your chin, some of you are crunching your forehead, so I'm going to have to deliver Botox or Restylane. So, but what you're trying to do when you look up is just look up with your eyes, so everything is relaxed. You kind of want to have resting bitch face. <laughs> and then look back forward. Uh, no, which you can't use with kids. And now you could say north, south, east, west. So let's look west, looking towards our right, without moving your chin. And then look back to center and look over to the west, looking to the left, and back to center. And then exhale and look all the way down to the floor without moving your chin. And look back to center. And release your arms down. You can even strip out the arms because that actually works the neurological pathways on the arms. It works the nerve endings. It helps with carpal tunnel syndrome and tennis elbow and all that good stuff. Uh, something else that works really well um, that we should try to do is eagle. So let's stand up and find a little bit of an eagle pose. Eagle helps to stretch out the muscles from computers, just like the eye strain exercise with um, eyes around the clock. But open your arms out wide. And on your next exhale, take your right arm and bring it underneath the left so that your right hand touches your left shoulder and your left hand touches your right shoulder. Good, so this is already effective, right? Lift your elbows up and do you feel that space between your shoulders? Yeah, so that's called your back heart. We have a front heart and a back heart. So we're breathing into our back heart. If that feels good, reach your hands around and try and interlace your fingers. If you can't interlace your fingers, grab your opposite elbow or whatever feels good, wherever you can kind of get to. Good, elbows reach high. Sit like you're sitting in a chair. 
Okay, now you're on a road trip and you have to pee, so cross your right leg up over your left. And you're squeezing the inner thighs together. Now try and get your elbows to kiss your knees. Lift your chest back up and then unwind and you're on the perch or the pinnacle of your mountain. Reach your arms up, you're soaring through the clouds, whatever expression you want to have. Just breathing. And now take the mm, opposite. So if the right arm was under, take the left arm under. Grab your opposite elbow. Lift the elbows up. As you hold on to your shoulders, you can stay here or wrap the arms together. And sit deep into your space. And reach the left leg up and over. Squeezing as your heart is held high. Um, uh, birds of prey, like an eagle, are um, guards, right? They support things, they watch things, but they also capture their prey because they have piercing, that single-pointed focus. So as you capture your little prey, lift your chest back up and unwind, opening up and soaring. <sighs> Good. Now we're going to be a little kangaroo. So bring your hands in front of your heart because you have your little pouch. And you lost baby Roo. Where'd he go? Oh no. Okay, so hands are to your heart. Sit deep into your chair. And once again, we're doing a balance, strength, flexibility. And now we're working on a twist. So we're going to twist because we're looking for baby Roo. We're going to twist to the right. Baby Roo, where are you? Right? And if that's too hard and you don't want to do this, you can take your um, left elbow outside of the right leg, right elbow is nice and high, you're twisting. Or you can take your hand to the outside of the right leg so the left hand touches the leg and your right hand supports your back. Just depends on what your skeleton is saying to do. But you're squeezing the inner thighs together. Inhale, reach up high. Powerful stance in your chair pose. You're strong, you're engaged, you're like a lightning bolt. Hands to your heart. And now twist to the left. Maybe elbow goes to the outside of the knee, so the right touches the left. Maybe your right left hand goes to your low back. Wherever you are, be present to the breath. Look to the ground. Inhale. Reach your arms up high. Stay sitting deeper. Your glutes are engaged. Your quads are active. You have a thigh master in between your legs, so squeeze inward. Lift your heart. And then exhale. Whew. Anybody not warm? <laughs> awesome. And then let's do one more pose before I kind of wrap it up. Hero pose. Heroes are great. We'll just do the right side, step the right foot forward, left leg is back. You're in this really nice lunge. You're finding an expression. So you're working all aspects of your being. And you're really present and grounded in your truth. Your feet are really firmly rooted. Your shoulders are where your hips, your arms are open wide. And let's use our bow and arrow like a hero. And inhale, reach the arms up. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. One more, inhale. Exhale. And straighten the legs, pivot your feet together, hands to your hips, shall we all your feet together, and we'll come to a seated position.
um, as Super Stretch, tell children that practice is progress, and you're strong and centered, so you don't need to be perfect, and you're not forcing movements, but you want to just take a step forward to be the best that you can be by moving at your own pace. Uh, there's always improvement for um, movement and room and growth. Um, nourishing your connections is the next kind of little uh, bullet point list there. There's so many different ways to make a time in. So maybe your mini breaks need to happen during classroom session. Um, sleep is so important because the hippocampus rests and we process and rejuvenate. And I also think it's really important, especially because we are a screen culture, that we uh, get outside in nature. Focus and awareness, mini meditations and guided visualizations. I gave you one on a class outline of a visualization that you could use. But um, there's so many different good things that you can teach to kids about um, working with um, meditations and mindfulness practices uh, incorporated with the breath. On the next page, making gratitude a habit. Uh, being proactive versus reactive during challenging life circumstances allows you to be um, into that space of gratitude. So finding positivity and kindness. There are so many different ways you can do that. Living with a purpose and goal setting. Goal setting is like huge. So I think that that's a great tool. It's not, it is in some ways yogic because it's talking about your feelings. Talismans and touchstones. Um, I do a lot of like rocks and crystals with kids. So if you're into that kind of stuff, people love that. The power of stones and power of rocks. You, there's great books on it. Um, you might think it's really woo-woo and not true, but the stones are colorful and pretty, and they have feelings, and uh, kids like that. Um, another thing is like I like fidget widgets. You all like fidget widgets? Silly putty. Love silly putty. And then the, um, uh, when you, uh, uh, the next thing is arts and crafts projects. Scrapbooking, vision boards, jewelry making. The idea of touchstones are huge. I do that a lot with teenagers, especially when they're having a lot of challenges. Um, I was just working with someone whose parents are going through a divorce, and they carry a touchstone around with them, and it really has helped ground them and give them a little bit more power because it's a tangible thing, right? Uh, healthy habits, mindful evening, uh, eating. I gave you some information on um, Ayurveda and diet and wellness, just like that pH handout for you. As the food, so the mind. As the mind, so the person. Food is such an important role in our lives. And then I gave you a bunch of lists of good books, um, starting with nutrition, but then on the back there's more books. And I think essential oils and aromatherapy are huge because you can use them for calming, grounding, and energizing. So that just because kids are so sensitive with their skin, you can use containers, put a cotton ball, say like with lavender or lemon, which is very energizing, or something really grounding like cedar, things that smell earthy. And you can do a whole meditation based on scent and have them be really quiet and then ask questions. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? How does it make you feel? Uh, I gave you a little example of a mudra. Mudras are pretty cool. Uh, EFT and tapping, Jur uh, journaling and emotion jars so we can discuss your feelings. 
And then there's a bunch of stuff about like books and neurological books and neurology books for parents. The Magic of Music, I gave you some lists of music, and then I gave you some lists of books that teach mindfulness to children that are really great, but from some of them from that Thich Nhat Hanh. The last two pages are actual poses and yoga fitness postures, playful movements and sequences that you can do for specific challenges. So postures to do for depression, Postures to do for ADD, ADHD, postures for anxiety, stress, sleeping disorders, and stomach stuff. Uh, uh, I appreciate your time and energy. Thank you so much for being here. I really believe that to cure the black hole of ruminating depressiveness or the narrative of me that sometimes we get stuck in is to find <coughs> calm in the center of the storm through breath and movement. And in order to sustain these moments of clarity and ease and harmony and awareness, uh, a lot of times we have to remember that we're not who we think we are or who the monkey mind is playing tricks on. And we need to kind of be friends with our thoughts and allow um, our mind, which sometimes is like a prison, to kind of like get pulled back. And those breath exercises that I was sharing with you, finding your prana and harnessing the pure potentiality of it and doing movements uh, that help to work on the central nervous system allow you to be friends with your mind because you're creating interconnection through the alignment of your um, systems. And the potential for healing and transformation is pretty freaking awesome. It's super. Um, as you know, people don't find a happy life, they make it. I'm really honored to share with all of you this simple but impactful, I think it's really impactful. We were playing, but I think it's pretty impactful. Uh, skills that can become a catalyst for meaningful positive change in a child's life. Super Stretch has a saying. So it's breathe, stretch, play, and make <coughs> namaste part of every day. So thanks for being here. Namaste.